Hey y'all, it's Janice. Welcome to the Dirty Diversity Podcast. This is a place where we will be exploring equity, racism, and diversity. I am a DEI consultant, educator, writer, and professor who strives to center my work around the liberation of Black folks globally. More specifically, I examine and unpack how we can create structures that support the most marginalized folks in the workplace. This is a podcast where I will share my thoughts on all things diversity, equity, inclusion, racism, anti-racism, and Black liberation. My goal is to stimulate your mind and shift you to think in a way that you've never considered before. This podcast will feature my thoughts as well as the perspectives of different folks doing related work. If you want to learn more, pick up my best-selling books, Dirty Diversity and The Pink Elephant, where I explore workplace equity in more detail. Thank you for listening. Hey, y'all. Jay Nice on the mic. Back with another episode of the Dirty Diversity podcast. So... Housekeeping items as always. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review the podcast. Also, as some of you may know, I am coming out with my third book, Decentering Whiteness in the Workplace, through Barrett Kohler Publishers. It's dropping October 24th, 2023. So this year, a little less than six months away. The link to pre-order is in the show notes, but I'm super excited about that. And I realized that like a lot of for a lot of people, myself included, I have to be like reminded of something or told something multiple times before I actually like take the action. So I see people post about their books on social media, but I don't necessarily like go out and get the book because I feel like all of us, excuse me, our attention is divided, right? And it's hard to compete for attention. So if someone is coming out with a new product or a book, it's like you may see it in your in your mind, say, I want to buy that, but then you forget and you get distracted by something. So I know for me, that is often the case. So I every episode, I'm going to r- remind y'all of that because I know that this book will be an amazing asset to any workplace, right? And even any sort of organization or any community of people need this book, Decentering Whiteness in the Workplace. So I'm so excited for this labor of love. I feel like it's my third baby. And I feel like I'm delivering this baby in a different format. Before, as some of you may know, I self-published my first book, Dirty Diversity, which came out on Juneteenth, 2020. I self-published that. I decided to to release it on June 19th because of the symbolism and what Juneteenth represents. And I had no idea that the horrific murder of George Floyd would change our world and would change the DEI space as we know it today. And I felt like the book delivered a need that was necessary at that moment in 2020. And then in on Black Friday of 2020, y'all know I love like symbolic dates. So I released my second book, The Pink Elephant, which focused on racial equity in the workplace and how to accomplish that in different ways, how to prioritize your black employees. And now three years later, I'm coming out with decentering whiteness in the workplace, which has to me feels like it's such an evolution for my previous 
works, but if any of you read my writing and have read my articles, you know what to expect when it comes to my writing. And I think I'm pretty straightforward, so I'm really excited to get this book in y'all's hands. There will be more updates coming on the podcast about that. And as podcast listeners, you will be the first to receive updates about the book and events that I'll be doing. I definitely know that I'm doing an event in New York City the week that the book is dropping, which is the last week of October. I'll have more details about that event coming as the summer progresses. We're almost at summertime. Uh, Happy May, by the way. I don't think I said that. Uh, so yeah, that is, I believe, all the housekeeping items. And if you have any questions, anything diversity, equity, and inclusion related, you have any inquiries, anything, again, related to DEI, feel free to send me an email at askdrjnice at gmail.com. I will answer your question. Of course, I'll, I will keep your name out of it. You will be anonymous, but I will answer your question live on the podcast. So you essentially get free DEI consulting. So today is going to be a quick episode and shout out to y'all who were listening last week after I had a three month hiatus. Some folks screenshotted listening to the podcast and sent it to me or tagged me. That's dope. Whenever y'all listen to any of these, even if you're listening to older episodes, please tag me or message me and I will repost it or I will share it. But I'm really excited about today's episodes because I wanted to share a poll, the result of a poll that I did on my LinkedIn page. If you're on LinkedIn and you and I are not connected, be sure to connect with me. I like connection requests. I feel like followers, it doesn't, currently LinkedIn doesn't notify you when people follow you. So it's not really helpful, right? If people are like, oh, I follow you. I'm like, I don't. We, we don't see who follows us, right? But connection requests are easier to see. So connect with me if we're not connected on LinkedIn so you can see these stuff when they're posted. But I posted a poll on my LinkedIn page because I was really curious about this, right? So I will link to the poll in the show notes. But um, essentially, the poll was asking my LinkedIn audience what specific intervention has been the most effective for your workplace when it comes to retaining employees from underrepresented racial groups? So I posted that two days ago, and I'm so grateful because there are already 300 votes. So I think that it's a pretty good amount of people have responded. And so LinkedIn polls allows you to create four different options. So I wish, and I hope in the future, they update this where you could put more than four options. But I asked this question to my LinkedIn audience. And the first option was DEI workshops and trainings. The second was mentorship and sponsorship. The third was employee resource groups. And the fourth was recognition programs. And again, the question I asked was, which intervention has been the most effective for your workplace when it comes to retaining employees from underrepresented racial groups. So essentially, what has worked for you when you're trying to retain non-white employees? And unsurprisingly, but a little surprisingly, the results indicated that 52% of respondents said the number one intervention out of those four options that has been the most effective 
for their workplace when it comes to retaining employees from underrepresented racial groups was mentorship and sponsorship programs. Right. And I would I would venture to say sponsorship is much more effective. And there's a lot of research that indicates that sponsorship is much more impactful for women's careers and particularly women of color, women from underrepresented racial groups, women of the global majority. Sponsorship is much more effective. 52 percent. Right. So over half of respondents said if you want to retain employees from underrepresented racial groups, mentorship and sponsorships are the way to go. Right. I will definitely be doing a article on this because I've written about mentorship and sponsorship in the past, but I haven't read written specifically about sponsorship by itself, right? How to create effective mentorship and sponsorship programs for particular communities, right? And I would love to do a piece on black women or women of the global majority, how to create sponsorship programs and mentorship programs that impact women of the global majority. What are three tips or what does that look like? So that might be coming in the near future. And the second most popular intervention or most effective intervention rather was employee resource groups. So 23% of respondents said that employee resource groups were the intervention that was the most effective at retaining employees from underrepresented racial groups. I actually screenshotted these results and sent it to one of my clients. Um, I consult for a small media company and they've had some ups and downs with their employee resource group. And I just, I was happy to see the results of that, the poll that I did, because that lets me know that even if we don't necessarily see the immediate results or effect of an affinity group or an ERG Based on many people's experiences, they are retaining people and they I do feel like they make people feel a sense of community and that will make them less likely to leave when they feel like they enjoy the people that they work with and they have a sense of camaraderie with the folks that they work with. So that's also really interesting. And I did an interview with someone named Masio. Maceo, I feel like I'm mispronouncing her name, Maceo. I feel like it's like Maceo Owens on um, ERG. So I will link that in the notes, in the show notes. So we did an interview about what some of the best practices are for ERGs. And I think that based on the results of the poll, this is, it's really, really important to make sure that you have some sort of affinity groups and ERGs because they are obviously effective. Almost a quarter of the respondents said that they were effective. And so 16% of the respondents of the poll said that workshops and trainings were most effective for retaining employees of the global majority. So that was interesting. I expected that to be higher, right? I expected about a quarter to one third of respondents to say that that would be the most effective intervention. But I'm also biased because that's part of the work that I do. So I think it was really eye-opening and great to see that result was lower than what I would have expected. And then lastly, only 8% of respondents of the poll said that recognition programs were effective at retaining employees from underrepresented groups. So that's interesting. That's good to know. 
And I think that there's a lot of really important implications for the poll that I will be unpacking in future articles. But one thing that I do want to do, so two things I want to share is that the first is that I think every week it would be nice to do a poll just to answer a specific DEI related question, but also so I could share the results with y'all and unpack the results. I love or let me not say love, I enjoy quantitative data. And even though I'm more of a qualitative data person, I do think that it's important to be collecting data. And just putting out these polls is a really interesting way to collect data, even though a quant researcher would say that the sample size is a little biased, right? And there are a lot of different parameters and limitations with the research. I think that on a surface level, it's really informative and interesting. So I definitely think that it's great to see these results. But the second thing is I, aside from trying to do these polls once a week or once every two weeks, which is my goal is once a week, it would be really, really great to flip the question and, and ask, which I will be doing, which intervention has been the most effective for your workplace when it comes to recruiting employees from underrepresented racial groups. So I'll ask that next week at some point, probably when this poll is up, I will investigate that. But I think I want to make that a goal is to every week post a poll and then for the podcast episode, share the poll with you all. I think that would be really, really interesting. So I would love to hear if you're surprised by any of these results. I think for me, I expected workshops and trainings to be more effective or more impactful than what I see. But I also think that over the last three years, and we're we're in May now, so we're coming up on the three-year anniversary of the murder of George Floyd. I think that our collective consciousness has definitely evolved. And in the beginning of this particular iteration of the racial revolution, I think workshops and trainings were more impactful when the education wasn't there. But I do think that at the point where we are at now, the education is there. So it's actually really interesting is a, a week or so ago, a friend of ours, my partner and I went to a birthday party for a friend of ours whose daughter was turning one. We all got together. A bunch of us don't necessarily know each other, but we're there to celebrate our friend. And we were having this conversation and I met this, uh, I met this guy there and I forgot what he, so one thing about me that some of y'all who are listening, who know me personally may know, I am terrible with names. I'm so bad with names, but I'm excellent with faces. If I meet you once, or if I see you on social media, I will know your face and I'll be like, oh, I know this person, right? So we, you know, when you come in, you're amongst a bunch of people you don't know. Sometimes, usually, you introduce yourself to people. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm not going to remember this name, right? So, someone might introduce himself to me, and I'm like, I don't know if I'll remember this when it's so many people. So, I met this guy, and I thought he, he said his name was John, right? And um, so, he, I, I thought he said his name was John. It was actually Luke. Super nice guy. We, I think I exchanged a few words 
And I was like, John, right? He was like, he shook his head and he was like, Luke. And so we laughed and I was like, I, I, I knew it was something biblical, right? <laughs> I was like, John, Luke, I knew it was something in the Bible was his name, but I was completely off. And so we were having a conversation and, and then, so I said to my partner, I said, you know, I explained to my partner what happened and I was like, yo, why did I think his name was John, but it was actually Luke. And my partner said to me jokingly, he was like, you're racist, right? And so we all laughed and Luke overheard us. And Luke was like, white people, Luke, just for context, which I didn't explain in the beginning, Luke was white, right? Luke was a white male. And when my partner said to Luke, my partner's black. And my partner said to Luke, she's racist, like jokingly, because I, I didn't, you know, I assumed his name was John, but it was actually Luke. So my partner's like, you're racist. Not all white people look alike. And Luke said, white people can't be racist. And I was so happy Luke said that. And I, Luke looked young, like young-ish. Luke, Luke looked like a Gen Z or a millennial. And I was like, go ahead, Luke. So I say all this to say that I think that the TikTok generation, and I'm not saying just Gen Z because there's folks of all ages on TikTok, but I think the advent of TikTok and and just the way that information is being disseminated, a lot of folks have evolved in their consciousness and we understand things like the fact that black people can't be racist and that like what is white supremacy like i think we're past the point of the basics right erin corinne this wonderful amazing black woman that i follow i think she's based in spain but i follow her on linkedin she talks about the abcs of dei i honestly think a lot of folks are beyond the basics and the abcs right Although there are some folks who, who never learned their ABCs, I think that we are, as a society, I do feel like we've evolved from even just three years ago, right? I, I don't know if progress is happening fast enough for my liking. I would say it's not, right? But I say all that to say, I think that where DEI trainings and workshops served a purpose, it I don't know if currently... It's serving the same purpose that it did before. I do think that DEI workshops are extremely effective, but I think it's important for them to be very, very, very specific and targeted on things like how to work strategies to recruit employees from underrepresented racial groups. I think being more specific strategies to recruit black employees strategies to advance Asian employees or AAPI employees or AA. NHPI, right? Which I just learned Asian American Native Hawaiian is sometimes included now in the acronym of AAPI versus just Asian American and Pacific Islander. I've seen many Asian folks now saying Asian American Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander. So just as just as an FYI, because that was something new I learned. And May is AANHPI Awareness Month. So I think I say all that to say having specific workshop topics is I think what will be best versus having more generic like what is DEI. I I, I think we're past that, right? At least like the clients that I have and the folks that, that have reached out to me, I think most 
a lot of companies have had some basic DEI, unless it's a newer company or a small company that hasn't really grown. I think most companies have had some sort of basic level DEI education. And so where the DEI education was serving to maybe retain employees in 2020, it's not necessarily serving in that same purpose or in that same way. So that's really interesting. The results of the survey, I will be, my goal is to every week to post a survey and unpack the results here with y'all on the podcast. But I think that's where I'm going to wrap up the today's episode. I just wanted to share those results with y'all. In the event that I know y'all listen to this podcast because you want to understand the field of diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice, and anti-racism, and you want to get better at it, either as a practitioner, as a consultant, as an internal person, as an external person, or as a workplace leader or an HR professional. And so I hope that that poll that I did that has over or has at 300 votes right now provides insight for you, right? Feel free to share that poll if you want with folks in your workplace and just say, hey, you know, even though the sample size, you know, or excuse me, the sample, some folks could argue in my research methods class in my PhD program, we took like five research methods courses and I know how important it is to make sure that your sample size is representative of the population. So someone could argue that my sample size is not necessarily generalizable to the population. Maybe I'm more connected with black people, right? Which I think is likely. Maybe I'm more connected with black DEI people on the East Coast, right? Because I live in the New York metropolitan area. Maybe I'm more connect. So I think the argument could be made. It's not a perfect study, but I think it's very, very informative and insightful. And it can help guide us as we create different or develop different DEI interventions. So if your goal is to retain employees from underrepresented racial groups, perhaps focusing on, do we have a mentorship and sponsorship program? If not, how do we implement that? What are some of the things we should be mindful of, which I'm going to create a resource for y'all because I think that we've identified the problem or we've identified the needs of the workplace, more mentorship and sponsorship. So what does that look like? So I want to create a solution, which is a a document that you can use to guide you as you create, or you could hire someone like me or any of the amazing DEI folks to help you create a mentorship or sponsorship program, as well as implementing affinity groups and employee resource groups, which I've helped clients with in the past. So that is something definitely that Maybe I'll I'll write up another article about that, but I'll definitely in the show notes link the article I did with Maceo Owens about ERGs. She's she calls herself the ERG homegirl. And she, if you follow her on LinkedIn, provides a lot of insights about ERG best practices. So I hope y'all enjoyed this episode, found it informative. I have been listening to again a lot more podcasts and I see what y'all some of y'all someone left a comment about how I have a lot of like talking before I get to the main meat of the podcast episode. And it's funny because I haven't looked back at additional feedback on the podcast and maybe other folks are saying that. But now that I'm going back and listening to podcasts again, I see a lot of hosts do that 
where I'm like, okay, get to the meat of the episode. So I'm going to try to be a little bit better with that. But I'm just kind of laughing because I'm like, yo, I know that I do that too as I'm listening to podcasts. So again, I hope you all found this insightful. All All of the resources I mentioned are linked below. And so that's where I will wrap up today's episode. I love y'all. Thank y'all for listening. And I will, um, y'all will check me out or I will check y'all out in the next episode. Thanks, y'all.